0: And welcome back to the What The Folks Sunderland Preview Podcast. The games are running out and the results are getting more and more important for Sunderland as we approach the end of the regular campaign and hopefully for Sunland, the playoffs or perhaps even not a promotion if we're living in a fantasy world. Um, unbeaten in ten, Sunderland somehow still go into Saturday's game against Cambridge United out of the playoff places. However, another home win would go a huge way towards Sunderland securing a playoff place, especially with our game in hand. It won't be easy though especially as we face a team who are quite fond of a, a bigger way day in Cambridge. And the chat through United's successful return to the third tier as returning guest and, of course, Lionel Prez fanatic, Jordan mm. from the Cambridge podcast under the Abbey stand. Mate, how are we doing? Are you all right?
1: Hi, Graham. Thank you very much for having me back on. Good to see you. Good to see you looking healthy. And uh, yeah, don't worry, I'll stick to the pre-recording rules that you set down about not mentioning that Newcastle game in every answer. <laughs> just, just most, just most answers.
0: <laughs> I've, got, I've got, I've, I've asked the perfect question. You, it will be like ding when I ask it. People will know exactly <laughs> when it comes in. Um, I think we'll start off from the top. Obviously, mightily impressive away win at Wigan on Saturday, which I think many people tuned into. Then you go and slump to a, a 2 0 home defeat at Charlton, who. Despite the position, are actually quite a good side on Tuesday. Um, normally, we just sc- discuss the the last game that the teams played, but obviously, double header for both of us. How was the Easter weekend for yourselves, and how were both games?
1: Yeah, real mixed bag actually. Um, I will. I'll start with the worst one, which would be Tuesday night. Um, I guess we're on the beach, really, which is mad. Like, I can't believe I'm here. Talking about the fact that that little old Cambridge United are mathematically safe in League One and, you know, we've been mathematically safe for weeks now, which is is, is so peculiar. Like when the fixtures came out pre-season, we saw, you know, our last six away games included yourselves and, and Ipswich and Sheffield Wednesday and you get really excited because they're and Wigan and you get really excited because they're these big away days, big grounds. You know the prestige of, of former prem teams and then the penny drops and you think oh god actually we're gonna be in a relegation scrap and we're gonna to have to go to these places we gonna have to go to the stadium of like two games before the end of the season and, and actually have to get something um but yeah to be going into the Easter weekend like mathematically safe and and talks of actually finishing in the top 12 it's it, it's pretty surreal. Um I think it's possibly the greatest season I've ever witnessed as a, as a Cambridge fan, but We'll come on to that. I, the Charlton game then was a bit of a, um, I guess like the day after the Lord's Mayor show, you know, Saturday was yeah. so good, put on the show, you know, Bonner pre-game was sort of talking about, you know, there might be people watching that you know, have never seen us or never heard of us. We want to put on a show and and we were so good, so good Saturday evening. And I know you saw it, um, but first half, like it, it, it was that cliche, like you, if you were watching it and you, you didn't know League One, you wouldn't know who was top and who was 13th. That's how how good we were. We've we've really learned how to deal with playing against teams on these bigger, wider pitches. And we struggled with that earlier in the season. And the answer is, you know, we're, we're compact out of possession. We, we deny team space and we're just really good on the press and the counter. So, yeah, Saturday was terrific. possibly Possibly our best result of the season, I would say. Like, if you watched it, I think you would agree that it wasn't like a smash and grab little club away to the top of the league. It was a deserved win. Tuesday night then was just, um, was just a bit of a letdown, but it's kind of understandable. Like he made seven changes. Uh, the goalkeeper was making his debut. He obviously wants to rotate and rest people and, and also have a look at people ahead of deciding what to do in the summer, you know, who stays, who goes. So it's, it wasn't a surprise that he rotated. We, we were on top first half, didn't get the goal. And then Charlton, you know, fair fair play to them really came good second half and, and and got themselves ahead. But God, they were mighty lucky. They they scored two deflected goals. And uh, Charlton are a weird team. They've got mm-hmm. possibly they've possibly got the best front two in the league. But the rest of them rest of them are useless. Um it was quite quite an odd watch on Tuesday night. But I suspect we'll go back to full strength on Saturday. Um so yeah sorry. Sorry Sunderland fans I don't think the the rotating and the reserves and the youth team will be showing up on Saturday.
0: The mention of Charlton and the word playoffs, even though it's not going to happen this season, just in line with each other there, I was thinking, <laughs> I don't know if I can do any more of this, but um, I will. Um Often, you know, my second question always revolves around current form, but I must be honest, I'm, I'm struggling to make sort of head and the tail of it because in short, not in order, but wins away at Wimbledon, all right, fair enough. Wigan, as we've mm-hmm. touched on. Ipswich, big win there. And then a home win over Morgan. All right, fair enough. Then big home defeat at Wickham, who up until recently not been in the best of form. And then touched on Charlton there as well. So you've got all these mad results sort of thrown together. Is it fair to say that Cambridge are a little bit unpredictable?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think we're a streaky team. Um, When we played you November, November. I think it was. Yeah, we were in the middle of like a, a streak of... I think we went like seven, eight games without a win. And even though we were playing well and we were being competitive and you know, unfortunate in games, I think you can make an argument that we were maybe a little unfortunate in, even in a Sunderland game. Um, I think the weather was only the real winner that day. Um, but we're a streaky team. Um, so yeah, we are quite sort of patchy. I think the big thing, um, by choice, Mark Bonner prefers to have small squads. He had it this year, he had it last year. You know, rumor is he hasn't spent all the budget that's available to him. And you can see the benefit of why he does that. You know, there's the reason that we've performed so well this year and last year is, there's a, few, there's a few reasons, but one of them I think is kind of the the morale that's in the team. Everyone's playing for each other and it's a real close-knit squad. So there's the benefit on on one hand, but then on the other hand, we really struggle with kind of like the fixture sort of pile up and the, the Saturday, Tuesday. So, you know, a couple of those, those results that you mentioned there, the Wickham home game, the the Charlton home game, they've come, you know, what, two, three days after, you know, after a big win and, and, you know, it's been terrific getting results at, at Wigan and Ipswich, but make, make no mistake. It's been a big, big push, you know, a big effort, you know, players playing beyond themselves, which is what, what Mark's been able to, to get from this group of players. But I guess the downside is to then go again, two, three days later is tough. So, unpredictable, but I think also maybe the squad size is, is is a factor in there as well.
0: Yeah, I think it definitely does. I think there's a few managers that prefer smaller squads, and obviously as a Sunderland fan, that's not something that we necessarily have, and that creates its own problems, but um, small squads have their benefits, and obviously one of the, the cons of it, unfortunately, probably is what you just touched on there, but I think, I think ultimately, and this is, I don't know if it's going to sound disrespectful or not, I hope it doesn't, but a lot of people hark in the Sunderland fan base for the days when we finished seventh in the Premier League. And they were brilliant mm-hmm. days, Phillips, Quinn, and it was amazing. And then you look at clubs like Manchester United complaining that at the sixth. So I think when I'm looking at Cambridge, although you're 12th in League One, historically, that that's really good for you. You've touched them before the best in, in probably your memory. And I think if I go back to the start of the season, you're predicted to go more or less straight back down because... You you basically lost your your best player on paper in terms of Paul Mullen. He left in the summer. He went to to join um all of a Sonny in Philadelphia and <laughs> Parkinson and Deadpool. At, yeah. Yeah, Deadpool. He just went to join that <laughs> mad situation down there, which I kind of secretly love. But um Net- if, if Netflix if the series football, coming soon, I hear. I, I would recommend they don't do that. Um, from <laughs> personal experience. But um <laughs> I guess you know you've got two games left at the end of the season. You're you're more than safe. You're, you're in the top 12. I think 12th as it currently stands, bang in the middle of the table. When you look back on the season as you're coming towards the end of it, as we quite often do, how is it you how is it you look back on the season? How do you you judge it now that you're kind of almost at the end of it?
1: Yeah, it's mad, isn't it? You you sort of you look at the the 24 clubs in in our league, and you know, League One is such a diverse mixed bag of a league isn't it you know we're, we're, tw- yeah. we're 12 we're, we're 12 at the moment but then you look at the 11 teams above us they're all teams that have played championship quite a few of them have played prem and so in many ways we feel like we're, we're top of the league because we're top of the other league you know the, the the teams that haven't been that high although I think there are obvious exceptions you know I'm not going to keep mentioning Charlton but yeah, Charlton we'll throw them in there um, so yeah, I, I mean, I assume there's a trophy for finishing 12th and, and top of that second <laughs> league. If not, maybe maybe we could uh, get some sort of whip round going for it. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll look back on this season as 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 I think probably the best I've experienced as a supporter. And I, you know, I've turned 36 in June. I've been going since I was like five, six years old. So it, it's been a long old time. I think um, I think I'm right in saying this that actually our points tally this season is the highest points tally we've got in the highest league we've been in for something like 30 years as well. So it is, it, it comes with, you know, the, the stats to back it up as well. Um, I think I'll just look back at this season and just remember how the, the group of players that we call the lockdown legends that got us up last season and, and kept us entertained during a, a really shitty time and lockdowns and whatever actually went beyond themselves, you know, um, played out of their skins, really stepped up to this league, some players have even performed better in this league. They look more settled in this league than League Two, which is, which is an interesting one. And yeah, I'll just I'll just remember it, Graham, as being the season that we were, you know, understandably written off at the start. You know, l- lost uh, Paul Mullin, like you say, ha- have a small have a small squad, a small budget, got a, got a manager that's only going into his second season as a as a manager, a season where you know we would tip not only to go down but to finish bottom of the pile. So. To be, you know, to be stood here, you've been safe mathematically for weeks, talking about maybe finishing in the top half. Like, I'll just remember it as this incredible, resilient season that that no one predicted. And I think maybe youth fans might have predicted that we would be competitive and, you know, would be in that bottom six dogfight, but we might be able to to just just survive. But yeah, just remember it for for being, you know, one that we've gone beyond ourselves, and and it doesn't even doesn't even stop at the league performances. You know, obviously, there's the cup runs. Uh, I'm sure we'll touch on that. There's the big days, you know, beating, beating Ipswich Town and their salty fans at Portman Road. Like, you just <laughs> won't forget that. And, and more than anything, you know, gradually over the last few years, our club has finally got its, its shit back together and, and we've become more and more stable. And, and this season, a couple of weeks ago, like the, the cherry on the, on the, on the top of the, of the cake is the news that we've brought our staging back. Uh, we sold it 15 years ago to a property developer you know peak itv digital fallout we were going into administration all the crap that was going on so yeah to to have that as well as everything that's happened on the pitch it's just you know i don't think united fans have ever had it this good or certainly united fans for generations haven't had it this good
0: talking about um the season isolation that kind of You obviously asked that question because I kind of half expected the answer, if that makes sense. And and obviously um, it's better to get it from your perspective than what I think, because I haven't been there. But I think when you have a season like that, it's great. And you think, right, 12th or top half or 13th, 15th, whatever it may be, as long as it's not near the relegation zone, it's been a successful season. But is there also like a a positivity and and a hope that it's not just going to be that one season of consolidation and then back to maybe fighting relegation that you can actually now, you know, with the stadium, as you touched on there, bring in Mm -hmm. some bigger sign ins, adverted commas, actually kick on and, and maybe in in years to come think about pushing even further up the table. Is there that kind of positivity there now?
1: I mean, there's a lot of positivity. Um this season has been a lot of a lot of just comparing where we are to where we were. So I remember we played Ipswich at home like September, October time and it was the first time we'd sold out the stadium in donkey years and and everyone was you know, it, it tallied up with like 10 years ago to the weekend that we were playing someone like Tamworth in the FA trophy. And it was like 900 people there. It's, so we've had a lot of those this season. I imagine Saturday at, at stadium of light 27 plus thousand people there, probably our biggest league attendance. That's kind of obviously not our attendance, but you know what I mean? Like yeah. an attendance for a Cambridge game or a game that Cambridge were in, you know, that will be another one of those milestones, you know, looking at, at how far we've come and, you know hopefully with the news that Peter will come down on saturday as well there'll be a lot there'll be a lot of that and i i think i think that's brilliant i think it's healthy but i think a line will have to be drawn and you'd have to look forward and say Do you know what this season was special but from here on we want it to kind of be the norm i don't know about kicking on and 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 challenging into sort of like the top 7 of, of league 1 i think that would be really difficult just given the the scale of clubs that are in the division and the budgets. And you know, we might lose a couple of, of, of them this season, hopefully yourselves, but you're getting you're getting others back, you know, Derby and, and Barnsley and Barank aren't going to be short of money. I think the big thing for us is just cons- um consolidating at this level. Um, I have this opinion, which maybe other Cambridge fans feel is negative, but I genuinely think as great as it's been this season to finish 12th and, and you know, finish with 57 points, maybe higher a success for me next season would be finishing 20th on, you know, 43 points as long as we don't go down. Um, So I think, yeah, just, just try and stay at this level because we've not been here for 20 years. It's not a level that historically we've spent a lot of time in. We've either gone through it going up or going down, primarily going down in my lifetime. Um, And it just, it's just really, it'll be really, really healthy for the club to stay here And then sort of build on it, you know, start to build the fan base, you know, being in this higher division, having teams with the profile of, you know, Sheffield Wednesday and Sunderland, it's going to attract new supporters, they'll come to those games, maybe they'll come back because it was entertaining, got the ground back, hopefully in the next couple of years, we can talk about expanding it, doing it up, getting some more seats, which we desperately need, because you know our seating area sells out pretty much every game now and and the terraces aren't as attractive to to new fans don't get it myself I prefer standing but you know it's just it's just the way it is but yeah I don't, I don't know about kicking on and, and maybe going up the leagues but I think I think yeah short to, to long-term well short to mid-term aim is to just sort of stay here and and, and not drop back down to, to league two
0: you touched on there about um, new fans coming, in. you touched on before about the sellout you had against Ipswich and stuff like that. If I correct me if I'm wrong, you had quite a lot when when we were there as well. I think, and um, obviously we took yep. a, a big chunk down as well, which would have helped. But you've been there obviously a while, as all fans have been. I've been at Sunderland when we have been doing well in the Premier League. I've been since been in League One. You, you just don't really change, but naturally, whether we like it or not, as diehards. New mm-hmm. fans do have to come along. We have to have a new generation. That's something I'm worried about with Sunland losing that new generation because ultimately League One is not as attractive as what you've seen in the Premier League. But the flip side of Cambridge, this, as you said, is the highest place you've been in in 30 odd years. It's the most attractive time to come at, uh, come to Cambridge. Have you seen that reflect in the attendances and the, maybe the, the younger faces going in, people taking the kids for the first time and things like
1: that? Yeah, definitely. Like we've seen the you know the average attendance and and i'm including then you know not just your your sellouts at home against sunderland's and ipswiches but your your tuesday nights against gillingham at home and your morecams and stuff like that you know the average attendance is up it's healthy um like i was saying that that main stand that runs across the side of the pitch which is our only home seated area basically sells out every week which is incredible um yeah, have noticed, you know, younger fans there as well, which is which is really great. And it's it's important for Cambridge because the city as a whole is has has really changed over the last sort of 10, 20 years. Like historically, it was a city that was quite a transitional one. You know, people would come here for education and then move on. Mm-hmm. Whereas what we've seen economically over the last sort of two decades is that Cambridge has really built up as a city um, where people go to, to work. You know, we've got big science and tech industries here which is which is really great and and with that you know people are now moving to the city you know there's some negatives to that you know it it, it, it it's fucked the housing system here and and you know it's problems on the roads and stuff like that but for the most part it's really beneficial because it, it creates like a good place to be and i guess i guess what the club need to position themselves to do which to some fans what i'm about to say might sound sacrilegious but really I think we need to kind of position ourselves as like your favorite second team. You know, a lot of people will move here who might be football fans already. They might already have their own club, but because they've moved or because they've got family or things like that, you know, they might not be heading to their, to their actual team every weekend and, and the compromise is coming to see the local team. And it's a hell of a lot more appealing being a local team in, in the top half of league one than say the bottom seven of league two, which we've been for the last seven eight years so it's really beneficial and it yeah long may it continue
0: yeah and, and i kind of understand where you're coming from with that because obviously i'm a Sunland fan that lives out width of um Sunland by three hours on a train and people will know i go to see if you prefer my local team and obviously it's a bit different because the little bit bigger than Cambridge, if you don't mind me saying, but there is a, you know, I think because we were starved of football, we were locked indoors. I mean, God, we couldn't buy books at one point for crying out loud or they couldn't in Wales anyway. Um, they got reminded of that the other day. Very weird time. <laughs> um, and I think people really want to go on football again and, and people want to go out to events. And, you know, I think hopefully, I, I don't, don't know the figures, but cinema seems to be the, there's more people in the cinema when I go these days There's more people at gigs than I was used to when maybe it was like kind of tailing off 2019 and compared to what I was used to. So there is an opportunity there for people to go and do stuff because we were starved of doing stuff other than sitting on our asses in the house for two years. And I was thinking about this the other day, funny, and it kind of feeds into my next question, really. I think, when I really look back on it, I started this season at were 2020 and you mm. in 2021. Um, yep. And we all remember how amazing that summer was if you're English anyway. Um, and even if you were Scottish, to be fair, Welsh or whatever it may be. Or Italian. Or, well, yes. Yeah, <laughs> uh, great, great for them. See you at the World Oh, no, wait, we won't. Um, I think with all of that stuff, we all kind of gorged on the football. We were so happy to have it back. And then I sat and thought about the other day and, and sometimes it gets a bit, depressing if I'm honest being Sunderland in League One but then I really thought actually it's been great I've been to 90 there'll be my 92nd game of the season um on Saturday um Sunderland game against Cambridge and I've just realized how much I've loved being back and how much I've just gotten to any football game that I possibly can I think a lot of people are absolutely the same as a Cambridge fan as you said it's the best season you can you've had in memory You've had a lot of big results, a lot of good ones, and it. I said it was coming, so clang. Um, if you had to pick one, what has been the one result you'd pick out as maybe your, your best, perhaps your best result of the season, or your best memory that summed up the spirit and the current success that you feel as a Cambridge fan?
1: Newcastle week. <laughs> do, well, does does it have to be a league game? Because I've got plenty no. of league examples. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, Newcastle is like the obvious moment of the season, like. I still smile thinking about it. It's um, we've had like, you know, we've had bigger wins in terms of kind of significance, you know, playoff wins at at Wembley and and even last season, like beating Grimsby at home in front of no fans to finally get across the line, like significance wise, they've been bigger than the, the Newcastle game and, you know, hopefully you feel this in a few weeks time, but you know, The promotion sort of celebration is is great like the euphoria is high but there's also kind of a big element of that is like relief isn't it you know it's taken x x amount of weeks to get across the line or or whatever or years if you've been stuck in league one and and things like that whereas whereas newcastle away was just pure like i don't know like unadulterated euphoria like there was no kind of like no hang-ups involved you know no you know, no baggage in, involved with it at all. You just went there, expected to lose, was having a pre-game pint, and you look at their team and go, fucking hell, they've, they've named their best team possible. I mean, admittedly, that's not a great team, but it's still, you know, it, it's all relative. You know, your lad Kieran Trippier making his debut as well. Mm-hmm. I, I remember I remember, sort of pre-game, like the guy I went with, my mate, was like, yeah, that's a full strength team. And I was just adamant. I wasn't buying it. I was like, no, nah, it can't be, it can't be. like obviously don't know anything about Newcastle squad so I went back on the BBC app and looked at like the last three games I was like it is literally their first team they're really going for this and then yeah just um what a crazy crazy 90 minutes it was but yeah it it yeah undoubtedly was you know moment of the season um it's gonna I'm gonna say something Bit pretentious now, so apologies in advance. But in in the in the lead up to the Newcastle game, I did very similar to what I'm doing now, and I, I spoke with a couple of their you know their fan medias and, and to help Sorry preview. That. Yeah, well, to you know to help preview the game and you know warn them of Big Joey Ironside. They didn't listen, uh, but anyway, yeah. So was doing was doing these interviews with sort of Newcastle fans, and you know, obviously wasn't underplaying the game, you know, and on, on the occasion, you know, it was a big occasion. It was it meant a lot, you know. FA Cup third round away to a prem team. It's incredible, but I did kind of sort of be a little bit of a downer, sort of by taking the opportunity to have a whinge at the whole system. You know, this season, you know, there were two things. You know, this season, number one, they scrapped FA Cup replays. You know, and I I can understand the thinking behind it because you know the fixture congestion and COVID and so on. But it was the same week that they were forcing Liverpool Arsenal to to play a a two legged cup semi final. You're like, well what's the fucking point there so you know for for i think i could say all teams in league one but definitely teams of our profile in league one you you don't enter the fa cup to win it you 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 look for these kind of games and you purely look to think how you can milk the money and and the first one is like holding out for a draw and and getting the replay and you know getting two lots of gate receipts so that, that got you know you know snatched away from us and then the other thing as well which was a real sort of downer was the tv choice of the games was really sort of ridiculous um with the exception of man city going to swindon all the other games that made onto tv were really really bizarre pointless ones you know like Hull, everton and and palace millwall and there was a point over the weekend where us shrewsbury and morecambe were all winning away to premier league teams and not one of us was on tv so anyway coming back to my point i was Speaking to these Newcastle sort of fan media saying, you know, it's a great occasion, it means a lot. But, you know, with these two reasons in mind, it is kind of taking the shine off it a little bit, kind of thinking, you know, we're going to get beat, so we won't get the prize money. So for then little old Cambridge to rock up to the richest team in the world on their doorstep and beat them, it really felt like, and this is the pretentious bit, it really felt like a, a big middle finger up to the man, to the system. And and if every other, t- if any other teams in the lower divisions uh, can enjoy that, then I feel like it was one for all of us. Um, so, yeah, what a moment.
0: <laughs> we, we, and, of we, course, you enjoyed it as well. We enjoyed it, and, and I make no bones about it. Obviously, there's a, there's two divisions between us as much, but I still enjoy it as much as I always did when they get beat. So if any of them listen, that was a good day. Um, the man who scored that day, obviously, Ironside has been the man who's taken the headlines this turn. I think he scored 15 goals. Stupid question maybe I'm asking, but how imperative, how important has he been and how good has he been?
1: HMS Ironside. Yeah. Um, terrific. Absolutely terrific. Um, No, you know, there's no, um, there's no doubt that when he was missing for sort of just after the Newcastle game for sort of six, eight weeks, we really struggled without him. He's incredible. You know, he was the kind of the forgotten guy last year, you know, we had this front three of of Paul Mullin that, that bagged 34 goals, Wesley Houlihan behind, who was, you know, writing all these headlines for being sort of 38 and and just being so instrumental. And Joe just went about his business being like the perfect foil man, you know, your big number nine, you know, a, a target man, you know, someone that preoccupies up, you know, the defense and, and creates the space for those other two. And yeah, you know, we kept, we kept saying last year, you know, he takes the hits, he takes the hits and, and Mullen gets the headlines. So it's, it's brilliant that this season he's been able to step out of that shadow and be our t- talisman, um, scored some really crucial goals. But actually, you know, his, his, his involvement is more than these goals. You know, I think if he'd scored only five this season, we'd all still be saying what a great season he's had because of his involvement. And, you know, if you watch the, the, the Wigan goals, you know, look at our first one, the way that he preoccupates, preoccupies what three, four players, to to then free up nibs to sort of sneak in and score. So he's been huge. He's been absolutely huge. And he just comes, he kind of sort of epitomizes what the club has done over the last couple of years, which is find players from unlikely sources and get them to perform way beyond what was expected. So Ironside, for example, we signed him the summer after his Macclesfield town team got relegated out of league two. I think he only scored like six, seven goals for them in a relegation season you know, people like Paul Digby getting released by Stevenage, who who should have been relegated that year. Um, Jack Iredale, who will leave is our left back, he will leave us in the summer, apparently to to possibly a championship club or a top league one club in the north, and maybe Sunderland, who knows? But you know, he was he was released by Carlisle and they openly said, you know, he's he's not good enough to be top end league two, and now here he is proving that he can be a championship player. So yeah, our, our squad is full of just stories like that. Sort of finding these these hidden gems, and it it really comes down to the real the real star of the show, Super Marky Bonner.
0: Yeah, he's done very well, hasn't he? I mean, I think there was a lot of noise around, sort of maybe other managers that got promoted. Um, I think Bolton, maybe I completely forgot about Bolton as in joke, <laughs> but I, f- I forgot that they got promoted last season. But I think there was a lot of chat, sort of around the likes of uh, Michael Duff and whatnot. And, and whereas, sort of, I wouldn't say he was ignored, but but Mark Bonner got largely ignored in comparison, Um, despite Mm -hmm. obviously huge achievements. um, How instrumental has his management, his coaching been this season in terms of keeping you, not just up, but putting you in the table as it stands at the moment?
1: Um, So crucial. You know, he is the linchpin. You know, there's lots of narratives and stories about why we've done so well this year. You know, players playing beyond themselves, the recruitment, the the, you know, the resilience in the squad, but really the the big story this year is, is Mark Bonner. He's, you know, he's kind of proven that he wasn't, you know, like a one, one, one season wonder, you know, got us up and, you know, in his first season, as, you know, first full season as a manager. And there's a, a good friend of mine who's actually an Ipswich fan, but he lives in Cambridge and he, he comes to games with me and he came to one at the start of the season. And he basically said, you know what? Bonner is just, um, you know, it's a good coach and, and, and so on, but he's very much um, benefiting, you know, the surrounding that he's in. You know, this is, a, you know, Mark Bonner's been at, at Cambridge United for like, what, since he was 18, since he left school. And, you know, and he's worked his way up the academy. He's got all this credit in the bank because he's, you know, he's a clubman. He's a Cambridge fan. He's been with you years. That's, you know, he is a, a one club manager. That's it. Whereas now we're here at the end of the season and, and actually he's proven otherwise, I feel, you know, he's not only kept us up, He's got us in the top 12 at the moment. He's masterminded victories away to Premier League teams. He's masterminded victories away to, you know, teams top of the league. Um, this summer's going to be a huge one for us because, you know, transfer windows three and four after promotion season tend to be really crucial. You know, you do break up the squad and, you know, try and get better players in, like we were saying before, but you also you run the risk of losing like really, really key players. And I think that'll be a story for us this summer. But I think genuinely we're getting to a point now where actually we're, we're running the risk of him being attractive to, to other clubs. You know, he's proven that kind of that mindset, that philosophy that he's just a Cambridge guy and he can only you know, he's benefiting from the surroundings that he's in and he can only do it at one club. I think he's done enough this season to prove that actually he could probably go on and manage elsewhere and whether it be higher in this division or higher in, in the pyramid, I think he could do it.
0: think that's kind of going to be one of the benefits of the fact that you've been as I put it before maybe slightly unfairly largely ignored in comparison to Michael Duff because I heard Michael Duff linked to the the Burnley job I know he has the history with Burnley and stuff but as a like a loose link the other day and I thought bloody hell like that's a jump but the likes of Mark Bonner don't really get mentioned when new jobs come up as a Cambridge fan you're quite happy with that
1: yeah absolutely um I think I think it's just a matter of time before we do start seeing his name you know, mentioned in those jobs it, we, we thought about it earlier in the season with, with Milton Keynes and with Ipswich changing managers, um, you know, because obviously being geographically close, there might be that, that, you know, might be more prominent on their radar, but I think it is, I think it is something that is definitely going to become a thing now, especially, especially if we, we do similar again next year, you know, maybe not finish 12th or or be top half. But if he keeps us up, you know, that reputation is going to get around, you know, he's doing it on arguably one of the smallest budgets in the division as well.
0: In terms of management, obviously it's something that, this is probably my favourite part of the show because it's a bit about Sunderland, but there you go. I suppose that's just my, my biased nature. I went back to November, as we kind of did a little bit before, when we last played each other. And I remember as a fan, it felt like a really big win because for Sunderland and Lee Johnson, we weren't in form at the time. Um, I think it came up, off the back of the the 5-1, the 3-0, and not long after the 4-0 against Portsmouth, I think actually we'd lost 3-0, potentially. Charlton 1-0 maybe as well. And it felt like Lee Johnson... Always Charlton, to mate. Always Charlton. We haven't Always scored Charlton. against him this season. Always bloody <laughs> Charlton. Um, but we basically hadn't managed to win in a while and we'd had a really good start to the season and the streaky league comments started coming out and I felt like a big, a big big win. Um, of course, you know, Johnson would win that game, but of course Johnson would hit another streaky, sticky patch of form that would lead to him losing his job. We'd get a substitute teacher to come in for three games that we wouldn't win. And... Um, Roy Keane would be flirted with and then, lo and behold, Alex Neil comes in. From an outside perspective looking in, I always find it quite interesting how that must have looked because I've seen a lot of people say, well, Sunderland are going to do a bad run for me. He's had these bad run of defeats and I heard other people going, oh God, the 3rd off top, topped, sack another manager. Looking at it now and where Alex Neil has Sunderland and what was happening under Lee Johnson and what you'd seen previously from an outside perspective... Do you think it was the right decision for someone to park company with Johnson and, and put Alex Neal in place?
1: Yeah, um, it was definitely, definitely an interesting one that the, the getting rid of Johnson. I would definitely put myself in that camp of people that was surprised that he were, that he went. You know, like you said, you were third or fourth off top. I guess it's a little bit too soon for me to say if it was the right, right decision or not. I think it's a really unfortunate season for, for your lad in charge, in the sense that the top half. well the top seven top eight at least is a really balmy one this year you know 77 points any other year that's 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 perfect yeah so you in the playoffs but actually this season it might not be enough um what i would say under 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 Neil, you do seem harder to beat and more resilient you know these you know very recently these you know these constant sort of late winners um which isn't good for the heart, but you know, good for good for the celebration. I'm sure. Good for the soul. Um, I'll give it that. Yeah. Bad for the
0: heart. Good for the soul.
1: Yeah, it does. It does seem to sort of have that kind of yeah, like I said, more resilient, more sort of winning aspect to it. Is it going to be enough for you? Don't know. Hope so. Uh, I hope you keep Milton Keynes from going up because that would be that would be my least favorite outcome for the season. But uh, yeah, not. Sure. I guess it's. I guess it's a tricky one because obviously you were higher in, in division. When he when Johnson left, so it, yeah, big big couple of games for you guys, I guess.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree with what you're saying in the sense that because that I personally, as the listeners will know, was not a fan of Johnson, big fan of Alex Neal, um, almost the polar opposite actually. But then the position, some people could quite easily say, well, third versus seven. I totally get that. Um, but the league is so tight, you could literally not drop a point. and And I think a lot of some of the fans listening at this will say it was the period in between the second and the appointment. That was the main problem, which is probably where I like to be honest Um yeah. on the pitch. A big reason for Alex Neal's, you know, results. If I'm completely honest with you is probably Nathan Broadhead's return. He's got a couple of late winners. He's got a couple of goals across the board. Um, Ross Stewart at the moment a little bit out of form, but if I go back to the game against Cambridge, obviously Broadhead scored a screamer. I think possibly not a goal of the season, but they were thereabouts. That got us three points last time, and then he got a bad injury. Form a little bit affected by that. He's came back, He back in, the, like I say, back in the form, back in the goals, scoring late winners for us as well. As a Cambridge fan, do you see him as your, your main danger man, uh, the main man to watch on Saturday, or is there other players that are kind of you anymore?
1: Yeah, Broadhead is an interesting one because um, his goal against us really split opinion. Um, there's some of us, myself included, that thought it was a terrific hit and it it would have gone in any day. And there's other people that were saying, "Ah, oh, nah, no, it's wind. It's wind affected, isn't it?" Um, <laughs> if they're listening, they're wrong. It, it you know the wind probably helped, but it would have gone in regardless of the wind. Um, yeah, I think you're right. I think he's I think he's the obvious danger man. Um, I do worry about the physical presence of Ross Stewart. Um, our centre-back partnership is is at full strength now, which is good. We've got a, a lad uh, called Lloyd-Jones who was missing for a few months at the start of the season. Sorry, not start of the season, start of the year. Former Liverpool. Um, yeah, former Liverpool. Yeah, yeah, that's the fella. Um, love scrapping, but I won't go into that on the pod. Um, he... Yeah, he's back and he's really made a difference these last few weeks. And um, the lad that he plays alongside, Jibril Ocadena, is a real find. Picked him up from Spurs in the summer. Undoubtedly believe he'll go on and be a big money uh, sale for us at some point. The only problem with Jubs is he does he does struggle against, you know, you you sort of, dare I say, like your lower league sort of wily experienced, bigger, bigger strikers, you know, people like Joe Ironside. Um you know, I know Ross Stewart isn't lower league, but that kind of cliche. So yeah, that 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 pairing, if 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 Stewart targets him, could be a difficult one on on Saturday. Um, the lad I wanted to mention, I wanted to call out for praise based on the last time we played each other. I don't know if he's still playing for you, but you left you left back of the three back in uh, back in November. Callum Doyle, he was my man of the match when you beat us. I don't know if he's is he still around or is he.
0: Yeah, he is. He, um, the short answer is he got flogged to death. I think he just turned 18, perhaps, at the end of that, uh, maybe 17 when he played against yourselves on loan from City. Uh, Alex Neal came in, decided he was knackered, and put him yeah. on the bench. But it's a funny one with Callum Dole. I kind of almost forget he exists myself, but he's he was very tired. But at the time, start of the season, like you say, I'm not surprised to hear that he had a good game because he has got an, an awful lot of talent, just an awful
1: lot to learn. It just had such an aura about him. It didn't, you know, hard to believe he was a teenager. Um, and I guess it goes to show what kind of game it was, you know, with the conditions that you're singling out defenders as, as your best players of the of that of that game. But uh, yeah, no, um, I, I, I guess it's not really a danger man. But yeah, I think he was the one that caught a lot of eyes when we played each other last time.
0: See, interesting. That's why I was like, asking this question because sometimes you get answers you don't expect but to be fair to Callum I'm making it sound that like you didn't have a good first start this the season you really did I think naturally as a young player you do burn out and that does happen I'm sure you'll go on and have a long and successful career probably not with Sunderland. Um, because he plays Manchester City of course and I guess <laughs> aspirations higher than League One when he does get that experience but last but not least last question as always my predictions have been well off all season I was doing quite <laughs> well at the start I think I had three before Christmas and I've had five which is better than four last year but still not much better um, you do enjoy an away day scalp we've touched on the Newcastle game but there's Wigan that we've touched on as well as Ipswich there's games where I'm a little bit squeaky bum about this on Saturday um, Yeah, d- and can you do it do you think there's another do you think there's
1: another scalp on the cards do you know what if we were having this chat a month ago Graham I would say absolutely no chance you know we'd We'd lost to Oxford away, conceded four, lost to Wickham away, conceded three, lost to Sheffield Wednesday away, conceded six. And we had this Achilles' Hill, which were teams that play three at the back and teams that have a really big wide pitch for which, you know, two ticks for Sunderland there. So if we're having this conversation a month ago, I'd say absolutely no way that we would expect anything other than a proper hiding um, at Stadium of Light. But we've learned over the last couple of weeks to... To deal with with both those scenarios you know that that lineup and that and that size pitch and the answer's been uh kind of rather surprising it, it's it's dropping Wesley Hoolahan for, for Harvey Nibs who kind of adds you know pace and, and physical presence and, and adds to that press so yeah I'd want to say because it's obviously it seems balmy to say oh we'll go to Stadium Light get a result I want to say yeah that's nailed on nailed on defeat but <laughs> Marky Bonner's tricky use have, have really have really kind of confused me those last couple of weeks that we've been able by being able to go off to these places and get results so not sure not sure about what to expect on Saturday but um you know I'm a very superstitious man you know our big away wins this this season in the league not not counting Newcastle because I was there but in the league Portsmouth away one one nil, Ipswich away one one nil, Wigan away most recently 1-2-1 very superstitious guy there's there's one common theme that's gone through those three results and it's you know it's it's not the resilience of the squad or or the the way we play out of position out of possession or, or Joe Einstein or anything like that it's all been down to the fact that I haven't been at those games um whereas I am sat with a Sunderland ticket in my in my in my possession so that must mean a nailed on Sunderland victory I'll take it I've been more than (laughs) happy with
0: that. My prediction, which probably means nothing at this point, because like I said before, I've got horrendous predictions. Oh God, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but I I, I think I'm going to err on the side of pessimism for once. I'm going to say 2-2 just to make the game against Rotherham on Tuesday really squeaky bomb time. Um, But fingers crossed, Sunderland, don't do that and and win quite comfortably. Well, you,
1: you would know better than I do but it does seem very on-brand that Sunland would lose when you most need the points, right? Very on-brand for the league this season. I think if the past few <laughs> weeks
0: that go away, aren't they? But, but Jordan, thanks as always for, for joining me, mate. Um, obviously, enjoy your weekend when you do get here. I um, know there's one or two things that you have to plan first, but hopefully you do get up here and you do enjoy yourself. And mainly, hopefully you get here based on that superstitious thing that you mentioned yeah. before. Um, but thanks as always for joining me, appreciate it.
1: Thanks for having me on, Graham, and and let's hope that Saturday sees uh, Peterborough relegated back down to League One, so we can play them, our rivals, play them competitively in the league for the first time in twenty years. So that'll be the real that'll be the real result in the way end on Saturday.
0: We will have to keep night out for the cheer, don't we? yeah, yeah. yeah we do. Cool. Thank you very much.